Rarely has mankind hesitated to eradicate the creatures that stand in the path of his conquest. If we find ritual extirpation undesirable, from another world, is it possible that our dark past and pray? Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, government agents, those of you with the frightening knowledge of what wine pairs best with human flesh, and anyone who might be listening, this is Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. I'm your host, Tasker, and we have Nick. I'm an island boy. Yeah, I'm an <laughs> island boy. Wow, it's good to see you're so proud of your heritage. Oh, man, dude, you see those, you see those, uh, and I use this word very liberally. But you see those rappers uh, that have been oh. circulating on social media with the whack hair and they're all like, they think they can rap, but it's just them talking in like fake, uh, fake uh, Caribbean accents. And they just like, you can't hear a word. Oh, it's fucking awesome, man. You got to, they got like uh, grills and stuff, you know? Oh my God. That's uh, that's like, so it's at a derivative of the SoundCloud rapper where it's like, they not only look like a Skittle, but they also have, now they're just like talking in accents. Right. And now here's the funny thing is they claim they're from the Caribbean. They say they're from Cuba, which is fine. Uh, I guess that's technically, but that doesn't mean you sound like this. You know, <laughs> you're not an island boy. You know, the, the last time I was in Cuba, they didn't sound like that. All right. Yeah. Why were you in Cuba? It was 1961. JFK was like, dude, we gotta go in there. I was like, are you sure about that? And I went in. So <laughs> there's some problems that need some very prompt solutions. <laughs> and you're just the man for the job. <laughs> Brilliant. Really quick, just because it's kind of uh, hot on the presses right now. But uh, what are your thoughts about the whole uh, Alec Baldwin situation? Okay. Do you want to know the? F- do you want me to be funny about it or do you want me to be real about it? Um, the, the, the part that does not like blame the victims or anything like that. Okay. Then I'm going to have to, and I'm good. I know people are going to get real fucking mad about this, but it's the truth. Alec Baldwin is a victim in this situation. Um, mm. it is not his job to check for, uh, debris in the, in guns when using yeah. blanks. It is not his fucking job. No, you're totally right. And, uh, more information just came out on the day of us recording this. Uh, which is the 25th that um, he um, was demonstrating like, you know, because they were discussing the scene and um, there was a live round in it when there shouldn't have been. And so as he pulled out the gun, he didn't even like I don't even think he actually pulled the trigger or something, but it discharged. Is that something that happens? A discharge when like you just pull the gun out and just fires. If if your gun was made in the 1700s and yes, <laughs> Uh, I've never heard of a gun just taking it out of the holster. It just kind of goes off. Something had to have made it go off. Yeah. Or maybe uh, had a safety on or something like that. And it was supposed to not fire, but it fired anyways. Okay. If that's the case, like maybe he thought it was and he, and he did pull the trigger. Basically there's two ways that a gun discharges. You pull the trigger or it falls or gets hit in a very, very, very specific part of the, the back of the gun that makes it go off, but it, you have uh, to hit it hard and it has to be very peculiar. Um, so somebody pulled a trigger, in my opinion, but I okay. wasn't on the set, so I don't know. I'm just no from gun talk, but I don't know. I wasn't there. It could be a, it could be a one in a million fluke where he just pulled it out and was like, maybe the gun was made in the 1700s. I don't know because like <laughs> they, they were, it's a Western that they were shooting and they were using actual like old timey revolvers or revolvers. Right. So yeah. I don't know, but kind of the general consensus in that it, it was an accident. Like it was a hundred percent an accident. Like 
And then there was like some like conspiracy theory I heard on like 4chan that like it was a uh, an agent like sent over to like assassinate the uh, um oh god I'm gonna fuck the name up. It's too. a weird name, yeah. It's a weird yeah. name. Halnya Hutchins, but um super fucking tragic. But like you know, there's this conspiracy theory that it was actually an assassination where the assassin had actually planted a live gun instead of the fake gun. But then again, how was he supposed to know that Alec Baldwin was going to aim in her direction? So that's kind of debunked in its own. But like, yeah. And what did she do? What did she do to anybody that's like, we got to kill this bitch? You know, I mean, exactly. OK, that was rude. I, I, <laughs> we got to kill this lady. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's done nothing but like good for the uh, the um, film industry and stuff yeah. like no, And I heard she, she was kind of up and coming as a DP. Like I heard she was yeah. like doing a good job and she was starting to get some fucking movies under her belt. So this is very tragic. Yeah, it's uh, insanely it tragic. Sucks. And yeah. also, of course, we can't forget the director was shot and he's good, but he was yeah, shot. Right. That sucks. That's never easy. Right. I've uh, been there like nine times. Like I'm like 50 <laughs> cent, dude. I've been shot like nine times. But uh, beautiful. The South Park episode on that was hilarious, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the reason we bring this up, too, is because just kind of in like similar to the uh, the Brandon Lee situation, this could be a a modern conspiracy unfolding right before us, because first there's the shock, then there's the information and then come the theories. So it's just we just thought it would be like worth addressing. And plus, I mean, a horrible transition. But like, you know, what better like, you know, it's just kind of related to, uh, you know, the subject we have today of uh, people uh, killing other people. That's right, man. And you know what? Let's just uh, let's address the elephant in the room. Yes. Today is our first episode ever of us doing something true crime related. Yeah, this is because by the time you are listening to this, it should be Halloween. You should hopefully be listening to this on Halloween. If not, um, we'll find you. We'll find you and I will I will do what they call doing a Dahmer on you, yeah. um, <laughs> which listen to the episode. You'll know what that means. Yeah, it's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> now, one last thing I have to say before we get into horoscopes. The only conspiracy in this whole thing with Alec Baldwin and um, them getting shot is that the uh, the prop master was a lady. So let's move on and do horoscopes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Then we'll address uh, why we're doing a true crime <laughs> break of uh, break of form, as some might say. Or others might say, quote, unquote, selling out to the popular masses. Here's the deal, man. First of all, if you guys don't like this subject matter, you're a fucking liar. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's the first thing. And the second thing is we thought it would be interesting to kind of see what see if you guys like the way that we present it, right? Because everybody and their sister at one point in their lives have covered Jeffrey Dahmer, but right. they all cover it differently. As long as you get the facts correct, you can kind of present it how you want to. So we wanted to do that as like a little bit of an experiment, and we thought it would be a good Halloween episode as well, you know? Uh, what, who better to cover on Halloween than fucking the Milwaukee cannibal himself, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I just remember like months ago on Discord, uh, somebody had asked uh, me if uh, we were going to do any like true crime and I was just like, no, fuck that. Like, <laughs> we don't do true crime. Like, that's a that's not in our niche, man. That's not our genre. And uh, well, <laughs> um, now it is. Because <laughs> here we are. Here's the thing, guys. When you have a very niche topic to talk about, sure, you can come up with subject matter, but it, it becomes increasingly difficult if you if you stay in one lane, you know? Uh, there's yeah. only so many cryptids I can do a full episode on. There's only so many abduction cases that are worth talking about. Right. Um, 
you know, and of course we haven't gotten to big topics yet, but that's because we're saving them for special occasions like Bigfoot and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So true crime is really going to help. First of all, I think you guys will like it. And second of all, it'll help us be able right. to get more, um, have an easier time deciding on subjects to talk about and research. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of this information is a lot more accessible because like we've had to go through some deep bowels of Internet like guts to find like the really like niche stuff that we've been covering before, which is fun and cool. But also remember, Nick and I are back in school full time, um, like we're doing like part time stuff and like it's it's getting increasingly more difficult to like, you know, get things out in like a timely manner. And with this, it's it's something both Nick and I are very interested in. And um, are they aliens? No. But maybe they are. Who knows? We'll come up with whatever <laughs> excuse we can. But um, like we said, this is just kind of a bit of an experiment. We'll see if you guys like it. And uh, maybe we'll start doing a couple more every now and again. Exactly. So if we get good reception on this series for Jeffrey Dahmer, then we will in the future do more uh, true crime. We'll do bigger names. We'll even do ones you might not have heard of. You know, we're going to try and dig around. So let's see how yeah. it goes. But hopefully you guys are in the mood for something spooky. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if anyone just starts calling us posers and, yeah, way to go, way to fucking copy, then we'll probably just keep doing Serial Killers exclusively. And then we'll change the name of the podcast. It's going to be called uh, It's going to be called Nick and Tasker's Serial Killer Come Corner. That's what we're going to call yeah. it. <laughs> Nick and Tasker are coming to kill you, exclamation point. Coming to kill you. C-U-M-M-I-N-G. <laughs> NC-17. All right. Let's do horoscope. Obviously, horoscopes. Uh, well, let's look to the stars to get the vibe of this episode today and see how it's going to go. Um, you want to start us off? I will start us off today. Let's see. Miscommunication with a romantic partner could have you either writing or reading love poetry or a story of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. What do they think of fucking Robert Frost? They think I'm just going to start like <laughs> writing poetry. No, nah, dude. Okay. I want you to, on a scale of one to 10, how likely is it that I'm going to start writing poetry? Uh, 10 being very likely, zero, or let's say one being not happening. Um, 10. You probably wrote poetry last night. Yeah, but you weren't supposed to tell anybody about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm just guessing, man. So I remember <sighs> you also, uh, you wrote for. Uh, um, was it some like video game articles online, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I got I got, I dipped my toes in writing, but I did my toes in in uh non-creative writing, informational yeah. writing because I'm not a very when it comes to like making fucking similes, I make similes like a <laughs> you know, like a whatever, you guys get it. That was a joke, all right? For all you English majors out there, hopefully you enjoyed that joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. All right. It's more important that you clear up the misunderstanding with, and also I stole that joke from Dennis Miller, so I can't take a credit. Wow. Um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> fuck it, man. <laughs> it's more important that you clear up the misunderstanding with the special person in your life. Cheer up. Don't let your insecurity get the better of you. All isn't as bad as it seems. The end of the day could bring a passionate reconciliation. Yeah, man, you just got to sit Kiwi down, look him right in his <laughs> pug eyes and tell him what you're actually feeling. I will. I'm like, Kiwi, God damn it, man. Look, I know I've been yelling at you a lot lately, but you got to <laughs> stop begging me for food all the time. It drives me fucking batty. Have you seen uh, that new thing uh, that's like kind of trending on TikTok with a noodle? The, he's like a 13-year-old pug who has some like syndrome. So um, some days his just like his bones just don't work super well or his like skeleton doesn't work or muscles. What? So um, they do a thing of it's, whether it's a bones day or not a bones day where uh, when he wakes up, if he can stand up <laughs> or not. 
Yeah. Have you not seen that? Is that oh, dude? Don't tell me they called him Noodle because when he, his bones don't work, he's like a noodle. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but hey, the uh, the TikTok seem to take uh, take very highly to him, and today is in fact a Bones Day, which means it's supposed to be a good day. Oh, good for Noodle, man. I'm glad that he's not <laughs> noodley. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. All right, okay, well, your stars. Well, my stars are uh, sex. It's is a two out of five. Oof. Hustle is a four out of five. Vibe is a three out of five, and success is a two out of five. So uh, it's I, right. you know, like yeah. I could give or take the sex. My hustle has been pretty good today. I've gotten a lot of shit done for school. So fuck yeah, no same. I had to because I got a lot of shit going on as well. So yeah, good shit. Also, friendship section, Scorpio. Just a heads up again. Oh, nice, good, good, good. Let's see. I have. Um Love is Leo, friendship is Capricorn, career is Taurus. All people I do not know. Wow, so you're just kind of leaving me at just like that, huh? Just like yep. that, dude? Just gang-banging strangers now. Good Lord. I'll, I'll <laughs> see you at the glory hole then. <laughs> I, I won't see you there because I'll be the one behind the wall. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true, man. I used Okay, never mind, never mind. It kind of defeats the purpose of a glory yeah. hole. Think about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, dude, there was... Uh, not that I've watched them, but there are videos out there where... Uh, a guy will go to a glory hole and then the, it, it'll be a girl talking on the other end, but it's oh, a no. trick because it's a dude sucking his dick. <laughs> and and that's the thing is most glory holes are, they don't even go that far. It'll just be straight a dude. And that's the usual. Which is, you know, hey, do what Nothing you got to do. But- We're going to be talking in the next two episodes, especially next episode. There's going to be a lot of gay stuff. All right. Yeah. Now, it, it is not a problem. Yeah. In the past, I have said that it's a choice, and I have since learned that it is not. <laughs> well, especially because we know people that are definitely in the LGBTQ community, <laughs> which <laughs> we had significant backlash on once they listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> That oh, was a poor. A, that was a poor joke for me to make, but uh, you that's know. my favorite moment of like the shit you saying on the podcast coming to bite you in the ass <laughs> <laughs> with like my personal life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So if that doesn't prove to you guys that like <laughs> this is this is the part where it's like this is the part of the joke we tell you we're we're just joking. We don't mean most of the stuff we say on here Amen. for the shock value, but yeah, it has come back to get us. I know I've gotten in trouble with my girlfriend for a couple things <laughs> yeah. I said. And I try to keep it like together, you know. I'm the one trying to real, but you know, I got a little too, uh, got a little too comfortable. Yeah, it's all right, man. Look, I've said it before. It's been a while since I've said it, so I'll reiterate: we're all a little gay. All right, none of us are 100 percent straight. So if that doesn't yeah. tell you anything, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah, this will be interesting when we get into it, and you'll see what we're talking about and why we're doing this preface. But I'll quickly blast through my horoscope so we can get exactly to that. So uh, for me, it says a new sort of bond may form with someone you consider a friend. Maybe you discover a mutual interest or suddenly see your friend in a new light. This can be beautiful. But before you make any commitment, make an effort to get to know the person a little bit better. Your image of him or her may be clouded by idealism. You might not see this person objectively. Interesting. Okay, so have you met any new friends lately that you think are just the bee's knees? Mm, yeah, no. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe um, it's a new streamer I've started watching. Maybe. Have you been looking at him objectively or subjectively? Uh, I look at him as um, the person who makes me laugh when I'm bored. 
Okay, that's I say it's right, right smack dab in the middle. Okay, how about me? How about me, dude? Do you look at me objectively or subjectively? Let's get deep for a second. What would that mean looking at you subjectively? Do you look at me in a peripheral? Like, do you look at me in the the emotions and the support that I might give you? Or do you look at my behaviors and the way that I act and like my my tendencies? Oh, man, I don't. I don't know. I never really thought that deep. I mean, I, I guess. Okay, I don't get think it. too much about it because I don't want you to leave me. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, actually, you know, you can't see him, but the marriage counselor is right behind us and <laughs> pushing us to do this. <laughs> this is well, an exercise should, we have to do. You guys should really do a true crime episode. I think it would really help your relationship. Yeah, you won't yell at each other as much. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the talk of. Hey, grays and reptilians, I think it's just really a negative impact on your, on your fucking romantic life. <laughs> it's making Tasker frustrated. And Nick, it's, <laughs> it's perpetuating your psychosis. So let's not do that. <laughs> so maybe that. Maybe it's because we decided to finally get a marriage counselor to help us through the hard times. <laughs> Good God. Well, sex is a three out of five. Hustle is a three out of five. Vibes a three out of five. And success is a three out of five. A perfect three, 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 three. Well, goddamn, you're nice and average today. I like that. Yep. I'm I'm okay with that. I am a-okay with that. All right, people. Well, guess what? This is our special Halloween episode. And like we said, we decided to, to do, for this special spooky event, it, we're unveiling a new subject matter to you all. Like Tasker said it, has said it. In the past, you guys have kind of asked if we're going to be doing true crime. And here it is. This is us attempting true crime. All right. Mm-hmm. And what better way to kick off our coverage of true crime and serial killers than with the big man himself, Jeffrey Dahmer, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. the Milwaukee cannibal? Yeah, I believe widely considered to be one of the most documented serial killers of all time. Highly. I'd say he's so pro- prolific right behind Ted Bundy. I think Ted Bundy is like everybody's favorite because he was kind of handsome. Yeah. Um, not saying that Jeffrey wasn't not. And also, I'm not going to start this episode off by uh, <laughs> fantasizing <Defending> about <laughs> like serial killers and stuff. <laughs> you know, just looking yeah. at their qualities, their physical qualities. Um, but yes, very prolific. Probably one of the yeah the most prolific in the in the world. Yeah. Because um, my uh, girlfriend came from Wisconsin. Now, of course, uh Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee cannibal. Milwaukee is definitely in Wisconsin. And it was, uh, I was kind of like talking to her about her, about him. And like, she like, when I brought up like where, like, you know, around like where he lived and stuff like that, like she knows like the area where like all that shit happened and stuff. And that's, it's pretty fucking eerie. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, man. It's so crazy. Oh yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, me living in California, driving on like the five or the four Oh five, knowing the fucking, uh, the, what's his name? The, uh, the night Walker, um, night. Oh, the night, the night, night. Yeah. Uh, Richard Ramirez. He used to drive yeah. up and down that shits, man. Dude. My mom was like, cause she lived in like LA during that time. And it was just like, Oh yeah. We all fucking like locked all of our windows. Everyone was terrified. Like it's weird when you drive through these like real places and are like, Oh yeah, that's right. 40 years ago, like, if I lived in this area, I'd be worried about some random dude coming in and fucking stabbing my eyes out or something. Yeah, man. he And that's somebody that we got to cover in the future because he's wackety-schmackety, dude. I fucking... I mean, I don't want to say I love him. Yeah, I was going to say. 
I, I, it, it's hard for me to say he's a personal favorite between the two of us because that's a very <laughs> weird statement. <laughs> but I, I feel like I feel like true crime aficionados will understand what we're trying to convey. We're not we're not right. saying that we think that they're like uh, they should run for president. We're saying that like you know, as far as serial killers go, they're the most interesting. But it's just yeah. our way of saying that they're interesting. Yeah, and if you're curious about our credentials, uh, we did go to the Museum of Death before it closed down. Yes, multiple times. We've been there a couple times, right? So you know, we we've been through the tours. We've yeah. we've read articles. We you know, I've I've we've read to, books. We've been to goth nightclubs. Yeah, I've been to goth nightclubs, dog. I've been to Sinister in L.A. Don't you fucking yeah, yeah. that place is great. That place, I hope they're still open. I hope so too, man. Remember the BDSM upstairs? That was fun. That was that really was awesome. Fun. <laughs> that was awesome. And those guys were so talented, though. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't even like a sexual thrill. I was just like. The shit these dudes can do with ropes. Okay, okay. Well, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I mean, I was sexually aroused, but I was just impressed. That's that skill and like how they did it with like a total straight face, like without breaking like kfob and stuff. Like that. That's that's hard, man. That's a tough job. Yeah, man. Somebody's got to somebody's got to whip them whip them submissives, though. You know, <laughs> that's the that's how the uh, the uh, the interaction works. All right, so today's episode will cover Jeffrey's early life and upbringing, along with his transition into committing murder. Part two next week, or the week after, depending on how things go for us, you'll see you'll hear right. later, we'll cover the rest of this documented, uh, his documented crimes and the aftermath. So without further delay, put on your rubber gloves, buy some big empty barrels to keep certain things in. And talk like, you know, talk like this, you know, buddy. All right. So because we're going straight to Wisconsin today. Right. A funny thing, though, too, before we get into this is uh, we do have a friend who uh, does kind of look like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. (laughs) And we've been making fun of him for that for a while to the point where I don't ever think he really even got offended by it. But he's also a very clean, neat person. So, like, you know, it just kind of makes sense. So he just sort of embraced it. And there's that point of like, well, let's just say we're glad that uh, serial killers generally do not kill those that are close to them unless they want to get caught. Right. Because, dude, um, I don't know about him, man. Like he knows. He knows we don't know about him. He knows that we think that he might kill people. I've never looked under his bed. I don't know what's under right. there. You totally. know, there's no point. It's too clean. There's just like for all we know, it could be like it could be like um, like he's like the reincarnation in a bad way or the reincarnation and like he got to like Dahmer got to come back and like try again as like a good person, you know, like a, uh, like Majin Buu. Sure, man, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Anybody who knows would know that, that, you know, yeah, it's an anime thing, isn't it? It's a fucking great comparison. I, I feel like I, that's under, I'm being underrated right now. Well, good. Well, look at the company you're in right now, man. Of course, I'm not going to know what Majin Blue is, dude. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Let's let's talk about the real killer. All right, everybody. So let's begin by taking a look at Jeffrey's childhood all the way through his adolescence. So Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960 to his father, Lionel Herbert and mother, Joyce Annette. Look at those two beautiful names. Lionel, that's quite the name that would get you bullied today. But back then, I'm sure it was awesome. And given his profession, that would help him. That would probably help with the bullying as well, um, because mm-hmm. at the time of Jeffrey's birth, Lionel was a chemistry student at, and I believe this is pronounced Marquette. Yeah, you, Marquette University in Milwaukee, 
working on his PhD and or not yet. He was working on his uh, bachelor's and Joyce was a teletype machine instructor, basically one of those people who would uh, you'd call. And if I read the correctly, it's like one of those people back in the day where you would call an operator and then they would connect you to like uh, and they'd move the thingies into the. I don't know, dude, I wasn't born in the fucking 60s. I don't know. Yeah, no, totally. Because that's how it worked. Like you would need it. You had to go to like a call center for everything and it was funny because my uh professor uh who was uh teaching me like code and like shit said back in the day like he found out like you could like download uh, basically he was like the the og pirating video games to your computer oh but the yeah thing was yeah it was over the phone line and stuff and i think this was like just after like operators weren't around they finally got like switches or whatever the fuck and uh, not the nintendo switch i mean like the machine switch oh and, oh oh good i'm glad you i'm glad you clarified. <laughs> i didn't know the switch came out like three years ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no this is dude this is like in like the fucking like 60s or whatever but um he uh yeah so he would download games for free but of course didn't want to tell his mom but at any point if his mom like had to make a call it would cancel the download and it was like imagine downloading uh fucking like pong over a telephone wire it took like six hours so (laughs) you just kind of had to hope that nobody picked up the phone but anyway it's just my little fun fact so yeah that's basically what joyce did she had to work that operator that operator booth and probably you know a lot of a lot of people did that back then it was like an up-and-coming business and it was a good job yeah so Dahmer's infancy is fairly up for debate as far as how he was cared for right Mm mm-hmm Some sources out there say that he had a normal infancy and was interacted with in a loving way by both Lionel and Joyce in a way that, you know, you would expect normal parents to behave with their children. Yeah, not amazing, but not horrible. They didn't abuse him is what it sounds like they're saying. Right. I would say uh, like so the way that this source is saying is it's saying that it was like good for 60s standards you know what i mean oh that's a good point not not like 2021 standards (laughs) where you're like oh my baby oh no i don't know i you know not none of that shit it's like you know you you pay a little bit of attention to your kid you make sure that they're fed and you don't hit them too much you know i mean that's kind of what we're talking about right 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 But other sources, however, say that he was not given the attention he needed for early socialization as a baby. Because as we all know, early infant socialization is pretty important to how you turn out later in life. I mean, it's not a deciding factor, but it fucking helps. You know what I mean? It's, you know, if if you're socializing really, really young, that's a good sign. That's a that's pretty typical. It's and the funny thing about it is, like, I think people are scared of like, oh, like, is my baby being socialized enough? Is it? No, that's 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 something that naturally will happen. Most children will socialize fairly easily because that's how you learn. But when they don't socialize very well or if you prevent them, like make an active effort to keep them from playing with other kids and stuff like that like yeah a fucking that could that could cause some trouble right and it, but especially at a at an infant age when they don't have like friends to play with and the only socialization they get is from their caregivers that's super crucial you know even for like stuff like language development things that we don't think about so oh, yeah. that's that's also something to think about as we move on there's a lot of okay as i talk about his background there is a lot of foreshadowing, okay? And you, so just keep that in mind as we go through. Got you. Now, whether one or the other is true, one thing was certain. His mother had psychological issues, okay? Joyce was known to be a tumultuous figure. Let's, that's me putting it nicely. A tumultuous figure 
in the family and around the neighborhood. She was described as being argumentative with Lionel and their neighbors, and she had a need for attention and other people's pity and was just kind of generally tense and always anxious. So she had a lot of uh, psychological issues early on in his infancy. And also, too, this is the 60s. So it could have been like an actual condition that went completely that just got completely written off because nobody gave a fuck back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, despite this, it is a general consensus that Jeffrey was never physically abused by his parents. So that is something that we can say for sure. We know we. So what we're more what we're more curious about is um, as far as the upbringing was, was he given attention? Or was he neglected uh, attention-wise? But we at least know he wasn't physically abused. Right. Because emotional abuse can be equally damaging. But, like, this is kind of a point up for conjecture. And also the fact, like, in that we don't know how much drugs they were on or, like, because back then it was, like, okay to be just, like, blackout drunk, like, whenever you were at home and stuff at all times. Right. And uh, as we will learn as the story progresses, Joyce... Uh, was always on something. So uh, uh, I see she had a lot of issues. She could have been easily diagnosed with like a couple different things like depression, anxiety, and substance, substance abuse. So got you, which um, all stuff that we looked over, well, people glossed over back in the sixties. Right. Because they're like, Oh, what? You don't have a scotch with breakfast, you know? Oh yeah. Well, basically <laughs> if you're <laughs> like, if you were not like straight up, like, um, like, um, Asperger's, like autism, like something very clearly, visibly, like um, what's that called? Um, I'm, I can't think of the name right now. Where there's a very distinct look for it. Um, oh, fetal alcohol syndrome. That no, not that. Um, it's not autism. It's uh, when you when you're um, Down when you syndrome. Have, Down syndrome. Right. Oh, wait. You couldn't remember the name of the exact disorder that I make fun of all the time. I know that's what weirded me out. About that's it. weird, man. It's like you ever have that happen? You just forget the most basic things every now and again. Yeah, no, dude, I never forget Down syndrome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my my point being in that, unless you had a very physical and very clear behavioral, like you know, outlier, everyone's just like, you're fine. Like, dude, you're just you're just you're just a woman. Like, you're just like crazy, and that's that was her diagnosis. I'm sure. Yes, it still is. Wow. Rude. All right. Now, a few years passed and some new changes had occurred in the Dahmer household. The Dahmers moved to Iowa so that Lionel could begin his PhD in chemistry at Iowa State University. So they moved out of Wisconsin. Mm. Oh. Jeffrey entered his early childhood and was described as being a, quote, happy and energetic, quote, child throughout these years, despite the possible lack of early attention and affection. So, um, Either he wasn't given a lot of attention and it didn't affect him in a way that it normally would or that Mm -hmm. it would predominantly, or they did give him the attention and the other is true. So again, up for, up for debate, but at least he was like a pretty happy child. Yeah. So basically normal, normal. He had a normal early childhood, which is important. Yeah. Cause a lot of people think, seem to think like, you know, with a spree killer, serial killers, murderers and stuff like that, that they, all of them have this. It's like, you know, it's like the uh, the starving artist myth where it's like they everybody thinks in order to create good art, you have to be a depressed, horrible person with a like fucked up past. But like it's, you know, with serial killers, like they don't necessarily need to have a terrible upbringing to be a serial killer. Like it's a right. mental illness, you know? 
Exactly. And I'm really glad you brought that up. Let me flex for a second. All right. Oh, no. So there's something called the diathesis stress model. Okay. And essentially what this means is that people who have predispositions genetically to certain disorders. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's use substance abuse for like alcoholism for an example. So somebody might be genetically de- de- uh, predisposed. Yeah. Well, it's like saying like addiction runs in blank family, you know? Right. Now, the diathesis stress model says that everybody has different stress thresholds. And these basically what happens are these genes for any kind of disorder are laying uh, dormant, right? Until a certain amount of stress or environmental changes happens to mm-hmm. where that, that gene is activated. Um, so that, that being said, yes, they could have completely normal childhoods, but they could be predisposed to disorders like his mom obviously had issues and yeah. he could have he could have genes for the same issues and he could have had a normal childhood but then all of a sudden some shit happens which we'll talk about and boom now he has yeah. those disorders as well so he doesn't have to be physically abused to become a serial killer right and just in really brief so we can, before we get back to it but it's like and also too sometimes it's about brain development and just certain parts of your brain that are in charge of like empathy or having a, your conscience just never develops on just a pure fluke, like of just nothing. Nobody did anything. Nobody's head got hit. Nobody. It's just, just shit just didn't develop. Right. Right. Uh, Frontal lobe has a lot to do with that. So there could be issues with the frontal lobe, both developmentally or injury, which is in some serial case, serial killers is the case. Yeah. Um, Like Richard Ramirez. He was, he had a fair, if I, well, okay, we'll get into him when we get into him, but he's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he was, uh, basically a happy child and he was also very fond of animals in this period of his life he loved rabbits and he and his father once nursed a baby bird back to health who would have otherwise died without their help oh and this becomes important later okay so remember this (laughs) remember that put a bookmark here (laughs) now around the same time lionel's phd chemistry studies were ramping up and of course as you could imagine Getting a PhD in something like chemistry kept him away from home for extended periods of time. He was out in the field. He was out in laboratories, um, getting work under his belt, and probably working on a thesis. It was fucking crazy. So Jeffrey, he would obviously miss his father. But when Lionel was at home and he wanted to spend time with him, Joyce's constant need for attention and such directed all of Lionel's priority onto her. And this is where they conf- the confirmed lack of attention in Jeffrey's life really began. So early childhood, we're not sure. But at this point in his life, there was definitely a lack of attention, both due to his mother's mental illnesses and because Lionel would always just pay attention to her because she was fucking crazy. Yeah, but that doesn't sound like enough that would cause somebody to decide, you know what? I want to end humans' lives. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a it's a sticky soup of of multiple things going into one that creates a serial killer. This is just right. one little little thing that happened at a pretty important part of his, in his child development, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but a, a minor thing, but it stacks up. Yeah. So it was like he was neglected attention, but like. That's about the worst of it. I'm not saying that that's like, oh, like he doesn't like nobody's allowed to like complain about that because, yeah, no, that sucks. But like interesting, though. So it's like she it's it's it wasn't amazing. It wasn't perfect. He didn't have a picture perfect childhood. There was a point where he was lacking attention, but nothing to like an extreme level. 
Right, exactly. Not like they were locking him in the basement and not feeding him. And right. All yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, as we'll see in a little bit, this lack of attention in his mid-childhood might have led him to act out later on in life, which we'll look into in a bit. Yeah. Now, still, it's not a great point in life for lack of attention. Um, but anyway, as the years rolled on, Joyce's psychological problems became more dominant in her life and more severe. She developed a bad case of both depression and illness anxiety disorder. And at some point, she even attempted suicide by overdose on, now I tried pronouncing this, it's meprobamate. Meprobamate. Yep, meprobamate. Which is a minor tranquilizer. Um, and then to put into perspective for what you, so people nowadays might think of, meprobamate is back then what benzos are now. I see. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that would fuck you up as a kid. That's okay. Now that's, that's bad. That's no good. That's no bueno, man. And it sucks because like you said, back in the, back in the mid sixties, probably wasn't getting any help for this. So, right. Totally. And to have like, you know, being also that age when like your brain is like a sponge and seeing all this behavior, especially like, you know, you, you learn from it. You, you replicate it so that's uh okay i'm starting to see uh some some signs of of the big bad the big bad that's self-medication and all that bullshit yep so due to joyce's worsening mental condition tensions were very high in the Dahmer household which eventually led joyce and lionel to having constant arguments when they were together Mm. so unfortunately the happy child would soon change right before jeffrey's fourth birthday he had to go in a, a double hernia surgery, which took place in his scrotum area. Okay. He was, um, some sources say he was four, some say he was six. Regardless of the age, having a double hernia surgery in your groin um, is physically and probably mentally scarring. Okay. Uh, what exactly is a hernia? A hernia is basically a disruption in muscular wall um, somewhere somewhere around your intestines that allows your intestines to pop out through your wall and like push out towards the skin. Um, it's like a tear or like a, a disruption. And so basically down by his groin, probably right above his crotch, uh-huh. he had a he had a two hernias and um, his his lower intestines were poking it through his to his skin. And they had to like go in and fix it. Yeah. Okay. So extremely traumatizing surgery experience. And then it's almost like the stuff that was going on at home was like fucking rough, but not something you can't work through. But like, dude, post-surgery will really like jack you up because that's some, and at four years old too, like, mm-hmm. okay. Like I'm starting to kind of see it come together. And he was in a lot of pain before yeah. and after the surgery. So he had this like as a four year old dude. So he had all this pain and he had and I don't know. Now, this is might be the Freudian coming out in me. All right. Because this is obviously not confirmed. <laughs> but when the pain is and you have surgery around your crotch area at such an important age in development might lead to some weird sexual shit in the future. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I'd buy that completely, but I don't know. That's a for for debate. That's a Freud thing. So, yeah. you know, like that's why it's <laughs> so, definitely up for debate. <laughs> it's one. Of, it's a Freud thing. You, you know, it's a Freud thing because if you do a line of uh, white lightning in the bathroom, it'll start to make a lot of sense real fast. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The crotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And this four year old <laughs> obviously knows what his crotch is. <laughs> it all fits together. So simple. <laughs> 
All right. So in his early elementary school days, one of his teachers not only noticed this change in temperament, but she also believed that she saw signs of abandonment issues. Um, So basically what I'm trying to portray here is or relay is the fact that after his surgery, his his demeanor completely changed. Right. Um, No longer a happy, energetic kid. Now he was quiet, reserved, timid, and his teachers definitely took notice. Mm. So given his mother's declining mental health, his father's absence, and their contentious relationship when they were together, it honestly doesn't surprise me that some abandonment problems began to arise in Jeffrey, especially at a crucial point in childhood socialization, um, when not only are you making friends, but your parents' relationships are still important to you, or your parents' relationship with you. So um, it's all kind of coming together, right? It's like things were okay at first, and now there's just a bunch of fucking shit happening at once, and he's like four or five years old, you know? Yeah, right at the age when like all that shit is like most like impactful. <laughs> it really sucks, man. Like I'm Ugh. not, uh, I'm not trying to gain, a, a garner any sympathy for what he did, uh, but it sucks. Sounds to me like what we're. As they were piecing it together, because obviously everyone probably listening to this episode at least knows a little bit about what Jeffrey Dahmer did. But sounds like this is like just one of those like one in a million. All it took was like one of these things to not happen and he probably <laughs> would have been fine or at least not as bad as he was. But so kind of a perfect storm, a perfect storm. And even more sad is there's a point that we're going to get in, we're getting to soon where it seems like he might be able to make a turnaround. But then something else happens and it's just fucking downhill from there. But we'll get there. It's very, very disheartening. Damn. From an early age, really not long after his double hernia surgery, Jeffrey began to develop an interest in dead animals. Now, that's why I said to keep a bookmark in that part where he loved animals when he was super young and he loved hanging out with animals and helping them. Um, So this particularly... uh, his interest in dead animals and the parts that create them didn't come out of nowhere though. As we, as it is said that when he was four years old, again, just after that surgery, he saw his father cleaning animal bones out from underneath the house. And he liked that. He liked the sounds that the bones made when they would clank together. Mm. So he fixated mm. on that. Yes. Not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, when you go to your community college and like one guy like, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're in your like bio class, you're doing the dissections. And one of them was like, wow, like that's a really kind of cool sound. You're like the bones are like, yeah, just kind of that's kind of a mm, maybe delete his number if you have it. That's right. That's right. You never want to see anybody playing Donkey Congo with fucking uh, bones in the, during a dissection. <laughs> Not great. Jeffrey liked it so much that Lionel said he was, quote, oddly thrilled, unquote, by the noises that the bones made. He was enamored by them. Hmm. Problematic. Maybe, I wonder, you think maybe he saw something at the hospital that maybe, like, flared this up? And, like, because I feel like under immense pain, the brain has a weird way of processing things because you're, like, you know, essentially in survival mode. So maybe he saw some like really fucked because, dude, there's some fucked up shit you could see at the hospital. Like, I don't know if it was with you or another time I was at the hospital for some reason or another and a a shooting victim got pulled in because it was like a drive by and you just saw it all. Yeah, I mean, he might have, especially given a young child's imagination, filled in the gaps of things they don't know and the immense pain, maybe even causing almost like hallucinatory shit. Maybe he saw something that was like, hey. 
and there's a dancing skeleton over there and I, I like the way his bones <laughs> rattle you know and then when his dad yeah. dug up the bones he's like oh that reminds me of that one time hey oh oh yeah or kind of like normalized it like made it sound like oh like this is just something that everybody sees all the time because I'm just seeing this and oh like, maybe everybody sees and just kind of makes it not a big of a deal I mean this is all just kind of speculation but like i can see that you know under the intense pain and trauma of going under surgery at such a young age and possibly seeing other you know gory situations maybe that sort of like flipped a switch or set this like this thought process like you know get set it in motion or something yeah possibly man i mean i wish we would know more about like that surgery because i couldn't find too much on it i'd be so interested to see you know, because back then also in the 60s, I imagine they didn't have the best privacy protocols in the hospital. So maybe right. he just saw some shit out in the open that was like not meant to be seen, you know? It's possible. So this fascination with bones went on through Jeffrey's childhood. And he t- he would often look underneath the house for more animal bones to collect and observe. Again, imitating mm-hmm. his father's behavior in the hopes that he'd find the same shit. Oh, yeah. Following the dopamine. Yeah, buddy. Follow follow that dragon. <laughs> Dahmer was also known to capture live animals and feel around their bodies in order to feel out where different bones were located in them. Oh, that made me physically shudder. I mean, I do that to Kiwi, but I'm not going to kill him later, you know? <laughs> There's a difference. Plus, he's, he's like 50% pudge. I'm sure it's like a massage to him. It's more of a scientific discovery for me because, like you said, he's 50% fudge. I have no idea where his bones are. <laughs> you had to confirm they're even there. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I want to make sure he wasn't in a noodle situation, you know? <laughs> just checking, just looking out, looking out for Kiwi. <laughs> is this a bone day? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> there was one incident in which Jeffrey cut the head off of a dog's carcass, nailing the body to a tree, and then putting the head on a spike, Vlad Tepes style. Oh, okay. That's quite a leap. Um, Although I have to say, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just giving examples uh, about his change in in his attitudes towards animals. Um, So we'll continue to talk about his timeline, but we will be catching up on that more morbid animal curiosity in a little bit. But sorry, continue. Okay, so that was kind of like a lead up to that. He didn't just like touch an animal to feel bones and I'm going to kill a dog. I'm going to cut this head off and see you. Yeah. Did I tell you that like it was like a year or two ago how um in uh in my in town there was a uh they found a, a beheaded dog? No. Like not like killed by an animal, like head was cut off, like a person had to have done it. And like it was this weird, eerie like vibe for like a little while. How how far from your house? Um I would say maybe like ten miles. Was I in town when that happened or was that when I, after I left, you might've been in town when that happened. It's, it was a while ago. It's kind of hard to say, but like it never happened again, which is nice. Or just, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the papers tried to cover it up because you know, they're weird about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I remember it was just like, the only thing I thought it was just like shit, like that's already happening to dogs. Like we might get our first serial killer. Like, Oh no. Yeah. Weird how it happened when I was there and it didn't happen after I left. Huh? It's almost like there's some, like a like a dot that can be connected or something. <laughs> nah, man, I like doggies. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, well, you have a dog. Not for long. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you FaceTime that dog to me every single time. I need to fucking <laughs> confirm that. In October of 1966, when Jeffrey was six years old, he and his family moved to Doylestown, Ohio. 
And now once in Ohio, he began elementary school attending first grade. Not long after, in December of that year, Joyce gave birth to another child. And so somewhere in the midst of their arguments and drug-fueled depression and suicide attempts, they found time to have sex because she gave birth to another baby boy and Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of the baby. Oh. And he went with David, which is cute. And uh, as if Lionel and Joyce's lack of attention to Jeffrey wasn't bad enough already, having a new baby led him to feel even more neglected in his day-to-day life. And what's crazy to me about this whole thing, it's like, uh, and I know this is like a thing that happens a lot in decision-making processes is like, oh, like we're super stressed. Everything's going bad. What better way to deal with it than taking on a brand new responsibility of a new child? It, yeah. Isn't it weird how that happens? And I, and my, my theory is it's just because people have brutal, awesome makeup sex and then they just like kind of, <laughs> oops, you know, bummer. And then Shit. being in the 60s, it's not like you could go down to like the Planned Parenthood and get an abortion, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, not something that was super um, accessible. Hangers were accessible, though. Oh, God. And also could kill you. Yeah, Most man. of the time they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that was a bad joke. I bet everybody in Texas just clicked off, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so... Also around this same time, the fights between his parents escalated, which naturally happens. Uh, there's more tension in the in the household, even with a healthy couple when they have a baby, let alone if they were already at each other's throats before the new baby. So uh, eventually what happened was Joyce and Lionel began sleeping in separate rooms. And this is the beginning of the official downfall of their marriage. Mm, I see. Then the following year, the Dahmers moved to a new house, still in Ohio, still in that relative uh, city, I believe, and Jeffrey met a friend named Lee. Now, he and Lee got fairly close over a period of a few months, but just as hope was surfacing for some normal socialization, it fell apart. Essentially, what happened, the long and short of it, was that Jeffrey grew fond of one of his teachers. So as a gift, he gave her a bowl full of tadpoles, which he found and caught himself. Unfortunately, okay. he later found out that sh- the teacher had given that bowl of tadpoles to Lee. Um, and I feel I think he was uh, taken aback by this and kind of felt betrayed. So when he discovered that that Lee was given the tadpoles he gave to his teacher, Jeffrey killed the tadpoles by pouring motor oil in the bowl. Is this um, before or after the dog? This is before the dog. This is when he was okay. still a, yeah, a little younger. Got you. Okay. Or- <laughs> Then a year later, in 1968, when jo- when Dahmer was eight years old, the family moved yet again. This time, they found themselves still in Ohio, but this time they moved to a town called Bath, B-A-T-H. Sounds and Je- clean. Sounds like a clean place to live, man. I'm saying if you're going to move anywhere in Ohio, the stinkiest state there is, <laughs> Bath's probably the place to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Jeffrey had to start at a new elementary school. That's never easy on a kid. And I should know, dude, I've been to like three elementary schools. It fucking sucked. Yeah, moving a lot. It's just cause especially like, you know, you want to have like a group of friends that you want to like move with and or like, you know, hang out with and to start over while you're still kind of figuring out how to make friends and stuff like that's that's no good. It's never good, man. Now, it was in this year as well that something important happened in the Jeffrey Dahmer saga. He got a chemistry set as a gift from his father. Yeah, you, those savvy ones out there will be like their eyebrows just raised. That's right. Now, he used this 
chemistry set and a number of experiments involving animals. And I use the word experiment pretty loosely because there was no hypothesis he was testing. It was just kind of, well, I guess maybe. Anyway, that's like in a really morbid way. He was like, I wonder what happens if I, uh, we'll get into it. So, um, (laughs) so this was around the time we mentioned earlier when we got ahead of ourselves that he was beginning to take a very morbid look at animals. Right. He would capture insects, keep them in jars. Yeah, he prefer- he really liked the bigger insects like butterflies and all that. He would also kill insects and keep them in formaldehyde in jars as well. Um, and, of course, who could forget that story we talked about earlier of beheading and impaling the carcass of a dog? Yeah, which is a huge, 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 huge emphasis on huge deal when you're killing like dog like pet animals like dogs and cats that is like red sirens we need to fucking take care of this person right now because that is as um as most true crime people i'm sure know is like the fir- like the next step is humans that's just that's just the way it goes historically yeah, exactly. And that's just so it's never good. If any if look, if you're a younger sibling or if your son or your daughter or anybody you know that's young are find some joy in killing animals, even not even cats and dogs, like domesticated ones, but like anything. If they're doing it not for hunting purposes, but just to kind of do it. See, get them to see, you know, get them yeah. somewhere. Get you know what I mean? Cuz that's uh, uh, not don't good. yeah, don't write that off. Like there's just some things that you just it's like feeling a bump on your testicle. Like, don't write that off. Like, you that's something. Uh, it's easy to be like, yeah, you know, it's probably not a huge deal, but it it is. It is. And I have a I have a bump on my testicle, but I wrote it off for so long, I just kind of have three testicles now. So it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. The bump actually grew into the third testicle, and it works, too. Yeah, I'm extra potent now. <laughs> Good for you. Another incident took place when he went out fishing with some of his boyhood friends. He caught a fish and began methodically but slowly cutting it up, curious to see how the insides looked and how they worked. And his, I, mean, I imagine his friends were just kind of standing there, like scratching their heads, you know? Yeah. Did I, I don't know if I told the story on the podcast yet, but did I ever tell you that uh, one of my old neighbors in the neighborhood I grew up with, um, we found like a small like den of like rats and stuff. And he just like took a shovel and just started just wailing, like tearing them apart. What's he doing now? I don't know. I, I did not keep in touch. <laughs> that's a good, that's a smart move. <laughs> I yeah. The worst thing I've ever done was um, there was a dead rat in the, so he was already dead. I didn't kill it, but there right. was a dead rat in my jacuzzi when I was like a teenager. And yeah. my mom was like, Hey, get it out with a shovel. So I got it out with a shovel, but instead of like dumping it in the trash can, my, my next thought was to like, throw it against the wall as hard as i could and i did <laughs> oh no but he was already dead so it's like you know yeah it's boys will be been, boys you know yeah that, that could have been worse the 90s were a little bit different like that was oh, like, that, yeah oh, that, that was that was like the mid 2000s i think so like oh. i was i was just kind of letting <laughs> some aggression out but he was already dead so i have to reiterate i did not i've never killed an animal right just to kill an animal yeah well and also too if we're looking at the source like you've always kind of been like edgy in that sense and that kind of sounds like you know you as you're coming to terms with your edginess something that you would probably do yeah 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 Uh, yeah long story short though uh, yeah animal mutilation it's uh like because i look back at like my experience and like that's fucking like 
that was traumatizing. <laughs> like I like was like really quiet for the rest of the day after that. I was like kind of kind of wish I didn't see that. Yeah, dude, that's messed up. Yeah, because they were alive. That's what made it worse. Ugh. The whole family, huh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you are, how you feel, man? You good? Uh, Stop, thinking uh, it. Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Let's talk about more dead animals to make me forget about the dead animals. Perfect, man. Yeah. Okay, so for the next couple of years of Jeff- Jeffrey's childhood, the animal mutilation and fascination continued. All right, it didn't stop. Um, right. He would collect roadkill and cut up the carcasses in order to separate the parts into pieces and and put them in respective jars. He was very into like keeping them, cutting them up yeah. and keeping them into different parts. And if you're not a mad scientist billionaire, uh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Dahmer would also use, and now this is where that chemistry set comes in. Um, he would use acid to dissolve all of the flesh off the bones once he like cut the flesh off the bones and mm. of the animals and then bleach them still as obsessed with bones and the inner workings of the animals bodies as ever hmm. and he would just collect the bones okay so we're kind of and he got just got away with all this stuff like nobody ever kind of like figured it out no, I don't think so because he didn't really hang with friends a lot, so n- not nobody really knew about it except for that one time. Well, he sometimes yeah, he would go fish. out with friends and the fish thing, and then also sometimes he would go with friends to find like roadkill. But I don't think they were with him when he would like be like, "Okay, see you guys," like, and then he would go to the tool shed and cut him up. I don't think they were with him at that point. Okay, he would so hide most of the parents. Like, got you. So he pretty much got away with most of this. Yeah. Ugh. So this type of animal, and also we have to remember, he's not getting a lot of attention at home, so it's not like his parents are really even going to notice like his That's weird true. behavior, you know? You're right. That's like That was like a thing. So this type of animal mutilation behavior goes on for another couple years. Then, at the age of 12, Jeffrey gets his first job at a nursery. And his boss at this nursery said that Dahmer was quite enthusiastic and willing to do the work. And this is what I was talking about earlier. In my opinion... This was a good sign. Perhaps he could still begin puberty in a normal manner and grow out of his obsession with dead things, right? This seemed yeah. like a turning point where his old personality was coming back a little bit. When he hit 12, he was starting to be more enthusiastic about bettering himself and doing good at this job. Um, yeah, it wasn't, this was stewing, it wasn't stewing in the darkness. And now he finally had something to do. He had something to do, something he could feel good about. And yeah. unfortunately... This was not the path that life had in store for Jeffrey. Mm. Because about a year later, when he was 13, Dahmer began drinking alcohol. Um, and well, technically in Wisconsin, this is pretty late, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a great time to start drinking. No. And un- and honestly, this is really when the downward spiral began. Uh. So as we will find out later in a bit more detail. Uh, and by later, I mean in the next episode, Jeffrey was actually diagnosed with a few pretty serious mental disorders and a substance abuse disorder so early on in life, especially at such a crucial developmental stage, may have acted as an environmental stressor that put him past that threshold I was talking about earlier for his upcoming disorder expressions. But that's just mm-hmm. me speculating, but it's an idea that makes sense in my head. Um, right. And I think that that's another reason why this alcohol drinking at such an early age was not good for him genetically. Oh, not yeah. good. Well, alcohol is 
just not good for you in general. And usually uh, it just sort of kind of like perpetuates like a lot of stuff like that you already because uh, I remember like kind of talk about this with like the difference between like weed and alcohol where weed kind of brings you to like a more like chill zone, whereas alcohol more or less like doubles the emotion that you're feeling at the time so if like you're at a party you're having fun and like the vibe is like you know you're there to have a good time alcohol makes you feel double happy if you're drinking because you're really sad guess what now you feel double sad and that's kind of like so whatever Dahmer was going through and also keep in mind the fact that he was a child basically 13 no he's a teenager that's you're a fucking kid still doing any sort of like illicit substance like before you're like developed is super well like we were talking about like maybe there was a chance of him turning it around but i think with the drinking that also when you're developing stunts developmental growth so that chance that he might have had of possibly quote unquote growing out of it i think he just completely tossed it away with this yeah it's not it's not good he as we'll see as we go along it wasn't just like having a having a cold one with the boys you know yeah. it, it was bad so um yeah very much could have been the case man it's unfortunate because it seemed like i think if he didn't pick up drinking i th- honestly think there may have been a chance for him i think so too i actually absolutely think so too because um i mean it's a little bit of a spoiler but uh the level of drinking that he was doing was like woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it we'll get into it but by the age of 14 Dahmer began attending high school and along with that, his alcohol consumption increased significantly. Like he would like, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but a lot. So it was at this point that he even began drinking throughout the daytime, not just at night. Oh. So it was here, here's an example. Here's an example. He would straight up take alcohol to school in a flask. Okay. And when a classmate asked about why he was drinking scotch at school, the one like one of the few classmates who caught on, Jeffrey referred to it as his quote medicine, unquote. He oh, was no. drinking a lot at school. Was his like uh, theory on this of well, I can't get hungover if I'm if I don't get sober. Damn straight, man. You can't you can't have a hangover if you never stop drinking, buddy. Oh God, but he he took it quite literally. And <laughs> at that age, even in Wisconsin, that's kind of frowned upon at that age. Yeah, dude. Even Wisconsinites were like, I don't know, buddy. That seems like a lot of scotch. Why don't you have a brewing class, you know? <laughs> that sounds like more of a Russian thing. I don't know, dude. Oh, Russians? Look, No, man. I mean, like, not the accent. I mean, like, literally oh. Russians, like, <laughs> beer was for, like, years not even considered to be an alcoholic beverage. That's true, but that's because Russia is a backward... Oh, I can't say that, dude, because, like, Putin's going <laughs> to get me by the balls. But despite all of this... Jeffrey actually did fairly well academically his first year of high school and was a great, uh, great tennis player on the school team. Um, he even wow. was in the marching band for a little bit and did well in that. So first year, despite the alcoholism, he was trying, yeah. you know? Okay. Respectable but, effort. Yeah. Respectable effort just for the first year. Um, yeah. Even worse though, puberty began to hit him full force as it does all of us. But due to his developing mental issues and his obsession with the body and the inside of the bodies, it wasn't like a normal puberty, as you could imagine. First, he discovered that he was gay through a brief, non-sexual relationship with a classmate. I'm not saying that's not normal, okay? I guess I I preceded that with a non-normal puberty. It's fine if you're gay. Right. Well, we also got to point out this was the 60s, too, where that was also a bit of a... Was the... 
when did the AIDS pandemic start? Because I know that's when a lot of like anti-gay stuff happened. The late 80s. Okay, so that was before all that. Still not something back then, because nowadays, if you you know realize that you're gay or you come out to yourself or you have a, a moment where it clicks with you, that's like a, you know, for hopefully most people, that's a like, cool, I, I know who I am. I have my sense of identity. Great. Back then, that was a like, oh, shit, I'm gay. Like, my life yep. is going to be a fucking uphill battle from this point onward. Well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if that's like, how did he react to this? So he didn't tell anybody like he didn't tell his family. Obviously you don't do that back in the day. Um, yeah. but he didn't necessarily, I don't, I think that he still didn't like it because he, because of the social norms at the time. And right. I think, uh, so he of course drank more because of it. Oh, like you would no. often drink to, um, hide your feelings and right. to kind of like self-medicate. So, but he still had these fantasies in his head and, and I'll show you how this, these fantasies evolved. Um, okay. During puberty. So from finding out he was gay, his fantasies begin to turn dominant. So he wanted to dominate and control a submissive male partner sexually. Okay. Okay. So kind of what I'm grabbing from this is him being gay is kind of besides the point. I think he was just puberty was kicking in. He just happened to be into guys. But yeah. he, he, either way, I think his fantasies would have been the same of dominant power player. Like I like control. Right, exactly. I think the gay thing is totally irrelevant. It is obviously irrelevant. Like it has nothing to do yeah. with what why he did what he did. Um, okay, because I wasn't you know? sure if it was like him coming out as gay to himself was the thing that was like, fuck. Like now my entire lifestyle has to change. But it sounds like he was actually fairly unaffected by that. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I feel like he didn't like it because he felt like he shouldn't like it. Um, like I we see. said, because of the times, but he still ex he still accepted it and went on with his fantasies, you know, like, so okay. it wasn't a huge thing, but I think he still drank to cope with it a little bit. I see. Okay. So it was a part of it, but it wasn't a huge part of it. Right. Now, eventually, this specific fantasy of being dominant began to focus um, on smooth, hairless chests and torsos of his want to be or to be sexual partners. Um, he really kind of started fixating on that portion of the body specifically. Why? I'm not sure. Um, yep. But, you know, like he did. And I and I don't know if it has to do with how he would always like segment and dissect animals when he was younger and he wanted to feel the bones around the torso. I don't know if that translated to this. I don't know. But something Can't about the taste. Hey, man. Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to kink shame. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone has their, their own deal and the things that they enjoy. And unfortunately for him, this sort of becomes uh, the profile for victims, as we'll come to find. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, his fantasy crossed the line and Jeffrey began to include dissection and violence into his fantasies. Also not a great sign. Not a good sign. That was the tipping point here. Um, now, it seems that up until this point, he was fantasizing about the scenario more than the specific person. This would change at the age of 16, though. Now, see, there was a male jogger who would often run by his home on a trail, and Dahmer found him to be attractive. He had that chest that he liked, uh, smooth, uh, you know, hairless, all that weird, good stuff, you know? Yeah. Now, due to his pretty, at this point, concrete, violent fantasies, after a while, Jeffrey decided he couldn't take it anymore and actually waited in the bushes by the path where the jogger normally ran past. 
And he wanted to kill the jogger and use his body for sexual purposes afterwards. So at this point in his life, also his fantasies included necrophilia. Mm, Oh, wow. Fortunately, this was one of the only days that the jogger did not run by his area, hence saving his life. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy to me is thinking about this is like constantly being plastered drunk and then just reminiscing about all that stuff. Not only is that like a weird headspace to be in, but I've also like I also got to point out that I feel like being constantly drunk sort of blurs the idea of reality because you're never sober or you're sober so little that it's like you almost kind of forget what you actually are because you're just in this like different like, you know, you're in like a dissociative stage the whole time. Yeah. Altered state of mind. And I could see how doing that because it's he isn't just doing that once a week. Every he's been doing this since he's fucking thirteen, and he's now sixteen with all these dark thoughts already. And like I said, just stewing in the booze, and I think it's distorting reality to that point where he's already killed animals before. As I I think sober, so now all that stuff it's like now projecting it onto humans is just sort of it's becoming less and less like the barrier. He's bringing down his own barriers on like not becoming a fucking serial killer. Right. Right, man. It's a whole soup, bro. It's just one thing after the other. And it just never, it's like full throttle at this point, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like you were saying, sounds like full dissociation. Like he's just living in fantasy right now. And like, it's just, nothing's real anymore. And this was the first time that Dahmer admitted to wanting his fantasies to become reality. Um, where he actually planned on attacking somebody to turn his fantasies into reality at the age of 16. Ooh, yeah. What were you doing at the age of 16? Not this, bro. I was not (laughs) doing this. (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure I was. What was I doing? I was just like... um... (laughs) We were just doing hood rat shit, but we were doing like normal teenage hood rat shit not i wasn't hanging out in the bike path waiting for some hottie to run by so i could you know yeah i think we were just like hopping fences to hang out in the pool after hours or just like climbing buildings and hanging out and just because we could yeah exactly man so yikes that's an early ass age man it's even for serial killers that's an early age to get started so damn that's sad now at the age of 17 his drinking only began to get worse. And at this point, Dahmer had solidified his position as class clown in school. And there's two things, in my opinion, that added to this. One was his lack of attention as a child. um, And two was, of course, the alcohol. Like when you're drinking, of course, you're going to be fucking telling racist jokes and doing a Dahmer, as we'll see, you know? Yeah, a bit loopy. Well, and it's like, I mean, this meme was kind of popular for a while where it's just like uh, the quiet kid. I mean, the uh, the the class clown when he goes home and it's these like, you know, <laughs> Simpsons <laughs> raining, like sad, like it's true oh, yeah. because it's a way of get because there's the thing is like positive attention and negative attention where you get the troublemakers who act out and get in trouble all the time because it's attention is attention. But then you get this other form of it where they're really depressed and really upset. But they found out that they can sort of like get their bump by making other people laugh and getting that positive attention. And that becomes sort of your position in the social sphere. And it works for you. Right. Exactly, man. It's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Also, too, you can say really dark shit and no one will take you seriously. Cause like, oh, he's just joking. Oh, he wants to kill somebody. Oh, what a what a jokester. <laughs> what a this guy's such a jokester. 
What a funny guy, huh? <laughs> so he was a class clown at this point. And in fact, his and I and I put the words pranks and jokes in quotations. His pranks and jokes were so well known that kids would often refer to his antics as, quote, doing a Dahmer, unquote. Now, if it wasn't for the fact he's a serial killer and shit like that, that's a crowning achievement to have a, a when funny when something funny happens to have your name named after it. Right, exactly. Um, and some of these pranks included pretending to have a seizure or pretending to have cerebral palsy. Uh. So, so he would be like, or he'd like pretend to be like cerebral palsy, which is like, you know. Oh wow, you're you're a little too good at that. It's like almost like you, you used to do that or something. It's only because I am true to my craft and I have to mm-hmm. be sure how to make fun of people with CB CP. <laughs> CP. Good for you. But yes, sixties was a different time. Humor was a little bit um different. It was different well, for sure. Yeah, not too much different. I'd say more um there was a more broader range of what was acceptable because like, you know, you can make fun of anybody who's differently abled, but as long as it's not in a public sphere, it's, it's fine. And it's funny. But if we're in a group of more than four, uh, then you basically look like fucking, uh, the antichrist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is unfortunate. That's the times right now. Now, of course, at this point, his grades and performance in school were really hurting. Okay, so he really only did well in his first year of high school. The rest was just a like a pretty gradual decline. Yeah, which is a shame because it sounds like he would have been fine if it wasn't for the drinking right. and the whole like wanting to kill people. But like, yeah, he was doing well. That's a shame. Yeah. Now, another major problem was the fact that Lionel and Joyce were still constantly fighting and they decided to attend marriage counseling sessions. There could have been hope, but Lionel found out that the same year that they started counseling, a few months earlier, Joyce had had an affair. Just one after the other, and they all happen at like the most pivotal time they could happen. Yes, and of course, this was it for their marriage, and a a divorce ensued. And um, not to be judgy or anything, but who the fuck would hook up with Joyce. No offense or anything. I'm just saying that's pretty, uh, Lionel must've really sucked in the sack, man. Yeah. You would be so surprised. Like the, the people that are getting some, like, it's just, it's an, it's an odd world out there. So Lionel, of course, after this whole thing happened, he moved out of the house. And as soon as Dahmer graduated high school in 1978, Joyce was awarded custody of David, Jeffrey's younger brother, which is a fucking terrible move, in my opinion. Um, Back then, of course, the courts would uh, prefer, and even to this day, the courts prefer, um, have preference to women to get custody over men, even if circumstances say otherwise. You know what I mean? So um, at this point, uh, and I didn't put it in the the outline, but I know at this point, Joyce's issues, her mental issues and her um, substance abuse was rampant yet she still got custody yeah oh and that and this isn't even just the product of the 60s 70s this is just a fucking justice system like it's uh it's not much better it's not it's really not um and yeah. it's unfortunate because a lot of the times children will go with mothers who use them either to spite the father who actually cares for these kids um yeah. and they do it solely because and they ignore evidence and they do it solely because uh society thinks that mothers are naturally more nurturing which is true in most cases mm. but not when you don't want your kids and you're doing it you're using them as like a tool so 
Yeah, and hopefully there's been enough, and I mean, how sad that this is the case, but hopefully there's been enough of these cases where now they're trying to be a little bit more objective about it because there have been cases where children have died because the the mother, like, didn't give a fuck about the kid, like you said, just want custody just despite the husband, and children have died over this kind of stuff. Yep. Yes, sir. Shit. But Joyce and David moved in with family. They went back to Wisconsin in Chippewa Falls. Jeffrey stayed at the family house in Ohio, where he basically had free, unsupervised reign and a growing desire to kill men that he was attracted to. (sighs) The fact that they just left him alone. Because if they just paid attention to him, like the dude is wasted 24-7, like... That's pretty noticeable. Like that's you. It, you can tell when people are doing that. So that just is super telling about the level of neglect. And now that he's just on his own, as we'll come to find out, that was the he now is given a space to do what he needs to do. Yeah. So not great. Not a good combination. Okay. So that was our background on Jeffrey Dahmer and his tumultuous upbringing. But it's time that we introduce you all to his first successful murder. And I say successful because we cannot forget the jogger who luckily did not show up that day two years earlier. Mm. So we are only fast forwarding three weeks after his graduation and after the family moved out of the house. Three weeks is as long as he could wait. Yep. Shit. (laughs) Not long at all. On June 18th, 1978, Jeffrey was driving down the road when he saw a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks looking for a ride. Hicks was also 18, almost 19, same age as Jeffrey. After picking up Hicks, Dahmer offered him alcohol. You know, he was like, hey, man, uh, why don't we go back to my place? I got some brews waiting for it, maybe some brats. You know, I could throw them on the grill. It'll be fucking fantastic, you know? Yeah, which just sucks because... You know, because nowadays, dude, hitchhiking, like, is why would you do that? That you're just asking to get killed. Nobody does this shit anymore. But back then, when you that was like a cool, normal thing. And then on top of that, they're offering you a, a brewski. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. And it was exactly, it was definitely a product of his time because Hicks was hitchhiking to get to a rock concert. That's just kind of what you did back then. You just hit, you're like, yay, yeah, man, I'm going to this fucking concert up the road, broken. You know, it's just like one of those things. But, you know, even though we had a concert to get to, Hicks was like, hell yeah, alcohol sounds good. Let's stop by your pad first, right? Right. And they were underage, too. So also a score, because back then, you know, you wanted to get alcohol whenever you could at that age, especially going to a concert. Fuck yeah. You can't do it legally. So you got an easy end. And this is back in those days when you could when human kindness was a reliable commodity. Exactly. So he's like, oh, this Jeffrey guy doesn't look too intimidating. Let's let's go get some alcohol with him. So. You know, they head back to Jeffrey's now secluded household. So what initially caught Dahmer's eye about Hicks was that he wasn't wearing a shirt. And of course, he had a smooth, hairless chest and torso, which at this point, as we know, was Dahmer's fetish and junk. Yeah. Now, he wanted to have sex with Hicks. Uh, but and I, now I think what he wanted to do was he wanted to have consensual sex with Hicks. But Hicks started talking about girls. You know, so Dahmer was like, damn, he's not gay, but Mm -hmm. he and he knew there was no chance consensually. (laughs) So at this point, is it assumed that he's like fucked up drunk? Yes. I at at basically any point in the story, 
and just imagine him being drunk because that's usually what his day was like. Damn. And see, and that's almost scary about it is because like when somebody's like blackout, like they're the most like non-threatening. They're just like, this fucking dude's wasted and he's offering me something to drink. Like, that's funny. Like, cool. But, yeah, man. But but he wasn't gay, you know, so um, hours and hours went by at Jeffrey's house and they were having a good time. They were drinking, talking, listening to music, having a good old time. But eventually Hicks was like, yo, I got to get to that concert, man. So he needs to take off. Uh, but Dahmer, of course, did not want him to leave. So when Hicks wasn't looking as he was getting out of his chair to leave, Jeffrey came up behind him and smashed him in the head with a 10 pound dumbbell two times. Pretty hard because at this point, Jeffrey had been working out a little bit and he was getting a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Oh. Hicks was unconscious and Dahmer used the handle of the dumbbell to strangle Hicks to death, most likely crushing his throat as well. Jeffrey then removed Hicks' clothing, rubbing his hands all over his smooth chest and torso, taking it in. And this is what he had been waiting for. He stood up over the corpse and jerked off on top of it. The next day, Dahmer dissected Hicks' body down in his basement and then buried the remains in his backyard. The next few weeks, he waited and then he dug up the remains and sliced all of the remaining flesh from the bones. Dahmer then used acid to dissolve the flesh and poured it down the toilet, only leaving the bones left. And finally, he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer, took the pieces out to the woods behind his house, and scattered them all about. And this was Jeffrey's first murder, and it happened at the very young age of 18 years old. (sighs) That's frighteningly thorough. Yes, he... It's like he'd thought about it before. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he he was like fantasizing about what he would do for the, like the past three, four fucking years. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, that's it. Just it never ceases to like shock me into silence to always like remember that this was a real person that was just like out for a fun time and just was trusted the wrong person, and it can happen as easy as that. Yeah, man. Got to be really careful who you hang out with, uh, who you meet, and who you spend your time with. It's very, uh, it's very scary, man. Because I'm sure, besides the fact that Jeffrey was drunk, he probably seemed like a pretty approachable dude, like most serial killers do. You know? Yeah, seemed uh, fine. It's just unfortunately, you take that that you take that uh, superficial charm and mix it with a little bit of trust, and boom, you're dead. So, yeah, and it's crazy because nowadays, like nobody trusts fucking anybody ever and if you do uh i mean hopefully you don't end up in a bad situation like it's just and especially with corona now that like everyone's been like stuck inside it's even like more so that people don't trust and that's half and i mean i think it's up for debate of that's why uh spree killing is more of a thing than serial killing because you just nobody trusts anybody anymore everyone has cameras everyone has like ways to catch you or they're fighting back. People are more trained for the situations now. It's just whereas back then when human kindness was just like a big ass opening, people decided to take advantage of it and ruin the fucking one thing that like helped keep society like humane. 
and like, well, not that it was ever really that humane, but like, hey, at least, you know, if uh, a sh- you could trust a stranger, like at least a little bit. But nowadays it's like it's sad where even if somebody looks like legitimately they could use help, there's a point where it's just like or that could be bait or like that could be. I don't know. It's like they say if a really attractive girl suddenly comes out of nowhere and starts like, oh, you like you need to come with me like really like. Oh, yeah, I could. And then get stabbed by five dudes waiting around the other corner. Like, and it's so fucking fucked up that that's but it's people like fucking Dahmer that got us to this point. Yeah, it's scary. Um, I was reading a green text thread on 4chan about people who it's like a very specific thing, but I guess it's prevalent in some countries where um you will be driving down like a highway or something, especially like a secluded one. And you'll see like a quote unquote car crash where like a car's off to the side of the road and somebody's like lying in the street. And you know, uh, most people are smart enough to be like, okay, I'll like call the authorities or an ambulance or something and drive, drive away slowly. Uh, so they can get details. But then when they look back, the person who was on the floor is like standing up, like looking at the car and people are like coming out of the trees or the bushes next to this next to the road. So it was like obviously a setup. Um, like that's kind of shit. You can't trust anybody. Uh, our our initial reaction is to help each other, but right. in this day and age, it's really really fucking hard to do that because of the things that like Jeffrey did and the th- and all these things that we have seen in the past and we're learning from. We're like, okay, we're maybe we're a little too cautious now, but it's still oh, you, yeah. ha- you have to be. Well, and on top of that, too, like, I mean, (laughs) cough, half the reason we're doing a true crime episode is because true crime is extremely popular. Like a lot of people read up and like there's so much information about this stuff out nowadays. Like a lot of people like they they're a little bit more savvy to it. And because they realize it is that easy to just get fucking murdered, you know, you're just going to, hey, I could help this dude and be a good Samaritan or uh maybe not risk the fact that I might get killed. And it's just, it's just a sad reality we live in. And like how crazy that it's just because of just a couple fuckers doing shit like that. And here we are. Yeah, man. Uh, quite scary, but that was it for part one of Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee yep. cannibal. Um, next episode, when we cover part two, that's when we're going to get into his major, all of the, all of the different, things that you guys have heard about we're going to get into all of it um it's it's grueling there's a lot of brutal stuff in there it's gonna get so much worse oh boy oh boy today was just the just the appetizer if that i'd say this is actually more of just like the water you get before the appetizer damn straight so you got your water with the background you got a little bit of bread some complimentary bread with that first murder and then next next uh jeffrey dauber episode is just going to be a fucking four course meal Uh, and i don't mean that because he was a cannibal that was just an unintentional (laughs) uh play on words yes 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 but um you, as you know this is our halloween episode we are going to continue of course to give you the the juicy bits we wish we could give you like the more gory stuff on halloween but just didn't quite work out that way but hopefully it's something to look forward to and please be safe please like you know i know this fucking virus is still rapidly uh like you know uh, what's the word for it um it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's mutating. It's spreading. It's doing. It's it's doing what viruses yeah. do. It's wiping out the weak. 
You know, let it yeah. do its thing. <laughs> so be careful. You know, not a bad time to wear a mask for Halloween, one could say. But, you know, be safe. Get a ride. A lot of stupid people out there. A lot of people driving wasted. A lot of crazy people not used to being out in public that are out in public. Like, you know, just be careful. And, uh, you know, if you want to lose some friends, go ahead and play this podcast episode at your party. Yeah. Or play one of our more offensive ones. I don't give a shit. Let them let them know what we think, <laughs> what we think about the world. Oh, yeah. But sincerely, happy Halloween from us at Close Encounters. I hope it's a good one. Hope it's spooky and hope it's enjoyable. Happy Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. I'm going to be wasted. Oh, yeah. And probably the same. Uh, no, I can't actually because I have to help my uh, girlfriend move. Uh, like, oh, no, we're moving on Halloween. So maybe right afterwards. Maybe. Uh, we'll figure it out. Oh, you'll get drunk. You will get drunk, sir. <laughs> there's a will. There's a way. But also remember, everyone's in costume. Count Chocula, like we warn everybody every single year, is out there, and he is undetectable. Undetectable. So stay safe out there. We just talked about being safe around strangers. Be extra cautious around strangers on Halloween because you don't know where Count Chocula could be at any given point. Absolutely. And there's some, I mean, it's debatable, but some wonder how did Jeffrey get a hold of all this uh, alcohol? And, um, you know, I'm just saying, um, that's a good point. I mean, the sixties and the seventies, uh, seventies in particular, um, probably easier now than than to get alcohol, but still difficult underage. So I'm wondering if fucking Chocula over here knew that that would be the turning point and fueled him. It's very possible. I mean, yeah, I had like underage roommates before that would like, oh, he just like swipe bottles and stuff at like the place he worked at and stuff like there's there's ways. But sometimes you just need a little bit of extra help, which is uh, no bueno in some cases. Hey, I don't speak Spanish. Sorry, buddy. I don't know what that means. I uh, Google it. If you're listening on <laughs> iTunes, you can five star rate and review. That would be really helpful. Spotify can click the follow button. We do have new episodes every single Wednesday. Our Instagram is at CEOTPK. YouTube is Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. Our Twitter is at CEOTPK1. You can check out our TikTok at, at CEOTPK. Facebook is Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. We will find all these links in any link you might ever need from us. Uh, our email is uh, CEOTPK1 at gmail.com. Uh, join our Discord at discord.gg slash lowercase b, number six, capital T's, capital oh, fuck. Uh, go to the Facebook. What the are you doing, a Dahmer? You pretend uh, like you got <laughs> dyslexia now or what? I needed at least four more stutters before it could be officially <laughs> considered a Dahmer. So, almost. Co- coffee is ko-fi.com slash ceotpk. If you feel the need to donate, not essential. Honestly, we just prefer you just listen to our episodes. That makes us feel better more than anything. But the is there if you so decide. Yeah, guys, we do appreciate it when you donate, but um, trick or treat, <laughs> guess what? You listening is a treat in itself. Oh, how cute. Uh, look, whether you think that Jeffrey Dahmer uh, was had a chance or whether you think he was ill-fated at birth, the truth is out there. Yeah, well, kind of hard to say because we actually are talking about the truth. So, like, is it not? Yeah. yeah, I might have to watch the kids tonight. Uh, have fun, man. I thought you weren't allowed within like 12 me too, feet. Me too. I was, whatever. I guess they're desperate. <laughs> that must be really desperate. <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. I don't want to, but...